This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. Now, what does a podcast of a show mean? Well, it means that we put out a live audio-visual show, and then we turn the audio into, well, this podcast that you're listening to right now. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Hello, welcome to the first ever episode of Growth Decoded, a show dedicated to investigating the relationship between business growth and the customer experience. My name is Ernie Santarelli. I'll be your host. Uh, Thank you for stopping by today and hanging out with us as we investigate the first of many topics that, uh, at their best, solve business problems, improve the customer experience, and help your business grow. But all too often, these topics, they don't come with an instruction manual. You know that they're important, but they lack a true definition beyond buzzword soup. And nobody gives you the directions on what to do with them once you actually figure that definition out. They present a a whole new set of challenges for you in the form of high costs, endless questions, poor fit, and generally making your life and your business process more complicated. That's what we're here for, to throw these topics under the microscope, so to speak, and figure out what they are, why they matter, how to approach them, and most importantly, How do they help your customers have a better experience with your business, and how does that lead to business growth? Again, welcome to Growth Decoded, and let's get into it. Today's topic is marketing software. Marketing software seems pretty straightforward, right? You want to reach more people. Maybe you want to convert more people. Maybe you want to reach the right people so that more of them convert? Or was it that you wanted to see which of your ads was performing the best? Assuming that you're running ads on multiple channels. Or wait, 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 no, hold on, I got it. You need video content. Or was it blog content? Or do you need to manage your social media profiles? Wait, do we even know what your customers want? Can we know? Can we know what they want? Was it our email marketing? Was it our email automation? Either way, our, our open rates are too low. Or no, my mistake. It was, the, it was the click-through rates that were too low. Or maybe it was that the emails weren't even getting delivered. <sighs> I think you're starting to see the point. Marketing software means 100 different things to 100 different people. It's a catch-all. And it's oftentimes a code word for, I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about here. It's like the economy, or cryptocurrency, or millennials. It's a blanket term that we throw around when we have a vague idea of what we're talking about, but we're not certain until today. Today, we're going to take a few steps towards certainty when it comes to marketing software. So let's take it back, way back, way back to the beginning, which is a pretty good place to start, usually. Marketing has been around for years. And I'd love to start in 35 BC when the mosaics from Umbricius Saccharis that marketed his fish saw so well that he became known across the Mediterranean. I wish we could start there, but we just don't have the time. What we're here to discuss is the rise of digital marketing and marketing software. 
So for our purposes, in the beginning, there was a computer and it was massive and honestly terrifying. And it could perform basic math slightly better than your average fifth grader. And eventually it got smaller, more approachable, much cuter, way more powerful. And then this guy stepped onto the scene. This is Ray Tomlinson. And Ray looked at the archaic pen and paper, envelopes and stamps on his desk next to that futuristic computer screen, and he dreamt of a brighter tomorrow. Brightened by the backlight on your smartphone or your laptop. Brightened by the tiny vibration in your pocket or the sound of a new notification. Brightened by electronic mail. And ever since that very first email, it was on. Millions of people have been working tirelessly to improve the computer, the way that we talk to each other online, and marketing processes. And they've also been working tirelessly to improve the ability to market things online to each other. Then the 1990s happened, and we saw the first use of the term digital marketing. We're talking about Web 1.0 here. And then in 1998, we've got Google. Search engines, traffic, rankings, the ability to be found by anyone, which meant that there were more ways to make yourself more visible to the people who were looking, AKA digital marketing. And the use of the internet developed and so did the use of digital marketing and then from there, marketing software. Now a few years later, you've got social media entering the game and now everything's different. All of a sudden anybody can build a following, an audience. Businesses can connect with individuals in real time without having to be anywhere near them. They can drive traffic to their website. They can promote themselves, offer discounts, share helpful content, and figure out who their target audience is. And all of this, of course, is marketing. Fast forward a few more years, and we start to see a bit of a situation brewing. I mean, take a look at this. In August of 2011, this is what we were dealing with. Uh, wait, no, not, not, not dogs. But if each dog represented an individual marketing software company, it's pretty reasonable. Honestly, this is quite adorable but approximately 150 different brands of what you might call marketing software existed. Now, if we fast forward a few more years, this is 2016, over 3,000 brands. In just five short years, the landscape grew 20-fold. And now, all of a sudden, we've got these categories, right? We've got advertising, social media, SEO, CRO, email marketing, email automation, forms, landing pages, customer support, attribution, and on, and on. And all of these things could be considered marketing software. And each of these pennies, I mean categories, has an impact on the customer experience. They make it easier for your customers to find you, to interact with you, to learn about you, to buy from you, and hopefully tell everyone they know about you and how fantastic their experience was with you. But we're not done yet. So hold on to your hats, because here's last year. 8,000. That's how many marketing software tools exist today. It's as if every person in this stadium here represents an individual marketing software company. How do we even begin to start sorting through this? I think we're gonna need some help. I know just the guy to give it to us. Tim? Tim? Tim, are you here? Tim? Hi there, I'm Tim, customer evangelist at ActiveCampaign. I'd like to talk about marketing software tools and how to find the ones that can grow your business. How in the world are you supposed to choose the best tool out of 8,000? You're not. We often talk about marketing software as if it's a superhero that we expect to swing in and fix everything. One single software that will achieve all our marketing goals with the flip of a switch. The truth is, that's a myth. The myth of the all-in-one. 
There is no single all-in-one software solution that will solve all your marketing problems and grow your business instantly. What will help is a marketing stack. And the good news is you already have a marketing stack. It's the tools you already use to create the best experience possible for your customers. Maybe it's Facebook for ads, Shopify for your store, or Google Analytics for your reporting. A marketing stack is the group of software tools that you use to market to your customers across multiple channels. Your business is different from every other business in a good way. You have your own specific goals for your business. There are 8,000 marketing tools because every business needs different tools to get the results they desire. We can all agree that you need marketing software tools to run your business, no question about it. But how do you choose the right tools and when? Start by mapping out your marketing goals. Maybe you want to increase traffic to your website or gain social media followers, improve conversion rates, grow your email list, there are tools out there that can help with each of these goals. Research the various tools that cater to your goals. Look at software review sites to learn the pros and cons of different tools directly from the fellow business owners that use them. Talk to the business owners you know and trust about the tools they use and the ones they would recommend. Seek out software tools that connect easily to the ones that you're already using. The last thing you want is for your marketing stack to take more of your time and energy. Effective marketing stacks save you time. A great point to add or modify tools in your stack is when you want to fill in a gap in your customer experience. You can find these gaps by pretending you're a customer of your own business. You can also keep an eye out for times when your customers themselves alert you to these moments of frustration. Another good time to add or modify tools in your marketing stack is when you need to improve progress towards your marketing goals. For example, maybe you want more product reviews on your website. You can find software that reminds customers to write a review after they buy your product. Another great time to evaluate your marketing stack is when you're spending a lot of time doing something manually. Maybe you're spending hours every week compiling a spreadsheet that measures how many sales your digital ads are driving. You can find software that does this for you and frees up your time for other tasks. Marketing software tools deliver the most value when you've defined goals that guide their usage. Choose the tools that will help you achieve your marketing goals. Don't worry about all 8,000 marketing software tools out there today. Focus on the ones that help you achieve your marketing goals and help you grow your business. Okay. Okay. I feel a little better. Thank you, Tim. That guy just has a way of putting me at ease. Right. Okay. So it's not about finding the perfect software that solves all of your problems forever because, well, because that doesn't exist. Now, Tim mentioned that we need to figure out our marketing goals, not general goals. Like I want more leads. I want more customers. I want to make X amount of money. I mean, who, who wouldn't want those things? I think we need to go a little further. So we need to get specific. We have to be able to measure the goal. Otherwise, well, otherwise it's just a wish. Good. Now we're aiming at something. And as we know, there are tools that can help with, well, all of it. So now we need to narrow down the selection process to 
what you actually need. You could start here. What's working for you right now? How can you build off that? Now, it's much easier, faster, and more effective to build from something that you already know and you already know works rather than starting from scratch and trying to learn and implement something completely new that you don't even know is going to work. So look for opportunities to build on or fill in gaps with your existing processes. You want to choose a tool that can address the specific challenges you're facing within your existing processes. And most importantly, you want to make sure that you'll be able to learn how to use the tool that you choose. Now, that could be through your own research, through training, uh, through onboarding. Let's take a look at this issue uh, a little more in depth with James Costello. James is the email copywriter at Skin Research Institute, a skincare product company based out of Los Angeles, California. Now, Skin Research Institute uses marketing software tools to communicate with their audience, understand their customers, and then take action on key insights to provide a better customer experience, leading to, you guessed it, business growth. Now, James sat down with Active Campaign's Chief Customer Officer, Duda. Let's take a listen to a bit of that conversation. There are businesses out there that are thinking, we know we're in trouble, something's not working, we don't know what's not working. And I have two platforms that I'm considering. And Active Campaign, to be honest, it's, it's kind of expensive. You know, like, I, I just want to first make money and then later, you know, I'll switch over to that expensive one if it's really better. You know, let me just start here. And, you know, the advice I would actually give to the person in that situation, because they don't have the inside knowledge of knowing both, let's just say MailChimp and Active Campaign. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the most important thing and the reason why to choose Active Campaign is specifically because you do have an expert to guide you and personal customer service is almost something of my generation and generation before and it's not really something that's um, offered in the marketplace anymore and you know if there's someone young they don't even know the value of you know flying with an expert and i would rather have taken a inferior software and have the expert guidance I mean, I can get active campaign on the phone right now. No matter how much we pay to MailChimp, there is no call-in feature. And especially if your email program isn't doing what you want it to, that's when you need the most help. Um, and it's gonna pay for itself many fold over by setting it up right. And you know, if you're thinking, oh, it might be too expensive to try that, you actually have to think about it the opposite way. It's too expensive not to try that. All right, now we're, we're really getting somewhere. We've got our goals, we figured out what we need to measure, and we're starting to figure out how to identify and solve for the hangups that might hold us back from achieving those goals. As James said, the ability to learn how to use the software is critical, but there are other factors to consider when choosing the right tool for your business as well. Now, as Tim pointed out at the top, what are other businesses using? You know, what are they recommending? Consulting your colleagues about the tools that they use, it's a great way to learn about new software that might help you. And another way to narrow down what you're looking for is to ask yourself a few more questions. Which of your processes currently takes up the most time? What's the most challenging part of your process 
right now. If you were a customer for your business, what does the experience look like? Where does it work? Where does it break down? And how do you know when to start solving these problems with software? You know, when, do you, when do you make the jump? If you've already got some tools in your marketing stack, how will this new one fit in? How does that even work? Let's take a listen to Mo Hussein, co-founder and director of Future London Academy, an education management company based out of the UK. Now, Future London Academy focuses on educating and inspiring people around the world to achieve more with their educational programs. They've used quite a few marketing software tools, and Mo's story with Sin offers some additional insight into how this process looks in action. So just before pandemic happened, I went full-time into the business. So in that time, it was knowing all the tools that were out there that I was using from a sales and advertising professional. And it was like, well, there's Salesforce out there. There's all these other free tools like Google and this, that, and the other. It was about utilizing and being efficient on those tools that were essentially free. So Google's tools helped a lot. And what I mean by that, well, even before Google, it was Mr. Microsoft Excel. So <laughs> everything was in Excel. So different tabs, the way the website was built at the time was someone would fill in a form and that information would come to my email. And then I would, you know, filter that into another spreadsheet. So there was no automation. So it was still all manual, everything coming into my email and then filtering it into Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel, eventually going on to Google Sheets. Um, so uh, it, it, it was okay at the time because it was just, as I said, a passion project, a side thing that on after work a couple of hours or, you know, in the, in the weekend, I'd be, be, I'd be working on it. Uh, but eventually got to the point where, right, you know, we don't even have a newsletter. How the hell do we, like, we mass communicate to all these people that have just shown interest or filled in the contact form. And when it's one or two people or 10 people, it's fine. But when you start growing and it becomes 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, now it's like at 70,000 odd people in the, in the list, it's like, okay, um, what, what do you do? And you're like, okay, campaign monitor is more for startups. It's helping us great. Uh, and then every time we do like a larger send, you'd have to pay per thousand cents or something like that, which was again, comfortable. And then, um, uh, then once we started to grow and our events became, um, more and more people started to know about them. Uh, we, we trialed HubSpot. And HubSpot, we trialed because, again, a friend recommended it to us, but it was at a very heavily discounted price because we were recommended and we were, um, uh, we were, we were part of the WeWork uh, office space uh, network. So they, they had to deal with them as well. So we were like, oh, amazing. This is some crazy discount. Let's, let's, let's go for it. And it had all the features, but it, it slowly became... Um, to I suppose it, the cost starts to rise once the free or the, the 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 discounted element goes, and then you're like, well, I only got it to use that feature, and now I have to pay a crazy amount for that feature, and I'm like, I'm still a small business, am I using that feature enough? And because you've 
done these jobs manually you're like yeah i can always go back to my spreadsheet world and start manually emailing people or using other tools to, to send emails and it's then you're like yeah but i'm used to this automation world now it'll be a bit backwards to go back to doing that all right there are a few things to highlight here did you notice how mo talked about doing things manually until they reached a point where it just wasn't sustainable anymore. That's a surefire sign that it's time to look for a tool that can help you out and save you some time. As for looking for software, Mo mentioned a few things. Research, consulting colleagues, cost, and then the ability to build and scale. So finding a tool that can grow with you is an important piece of the puzzle. But, but what does that really mean? And what does looking for the ability to scale in a piece of software actually look like in practice? I wanted to know, too. So I sat down with Finch Grace. Now, Finch is a small business owner of an indie nail polish shop called Scofflaw Varnish. Finch has been running a successful business alongside her 9-to-5 career for almost a decade. Scofflaw has been through a few different phases, each with their own goals, challenges, and pieces of marketing software. Finch uses ActiveCampaign for Scofflaw, and full disclosure, she works for ActiveCampaign as a product marketing manager. But she's here to talk about how you can go about selecting the piece of marketing software that helps you provide the best possible customer experience and grows your business. Let's see what Finch has to say. So several years ago, um, probably like eight or nine at this point, uh, I really got into painting my nails. Uh, I just found it to be a very relaxing kind of self-care little thing to do. And I discovered as I got further into it that there were people out there who were making their own like indie nail polish. And it was really cool stuff that was unlike anything that you could get in the store. So I got really into buying indie nail polish from all these, you know, little independent makers. And then I started to wonder, well, I kind of need an artistic outlet. I wonder if I could do this myself. So I started to explore and test and figure out the ins and outs. And it turned out that like the stuff I was coming up with was pretty cool. At least I thought it was. And I was like, well, I wonder if other people will think that this is pretty cool. So I did a lot of research and um, started to work towards opening up a shop. Um, probably took me about eight months to a year from when I decided to open up a shop to when I actually opened up the shop. Um, and I realized it was going to be more of a hobby and not just a let's see if other people are into this, but could be like, have some legs to it. When I opened up my shop and I think I had about 400 bottles in stock. So not a ton, but definitely not nothing. I sold out the entire stock within 10 minutes. And okay. I just remember sitting there. And at the time I was using Etsy. Um, it was probably the most popular platform form to use at the time, just hitting refresh and seeing the numbers of my stock depletes and the sold out button popping up one after another. And just that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have something here. As soon 
as I sold out, I started getting emails um, or messages into my Etsy account at the time. And they were like, I missed out. Oh, you know, it's already sold out. Or have you opened up the shop yet? I'm not seeing anything available. Like I probably got like two dozen emails within like the first 30 minutes of like, do you have a mailing list? I did not have a mailing list. I honestly had never even considered email marketing or that that was something I was going to need to do. So just realizing like they were asking me to provide them information because they were really interested and I had no way to provide them that information that they could reliably see. You brought up the point there, like what tools could you have used to kind of save time or thought about, or even like you said, having a mailing list at the time of launch. So I just want to get back to that first piece of, of software that you incorporated into Scofflaw. Was it, was it an email marketing tool? Yes. Uh, I used MailChimp. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how did you, you know, obviously people had asked you if they, if you had a mailing list. Um, so that kind of seems like that's where the idea came from, but how did you eventually decide upon using MailChimp? Well, honestly, uh, simply because I'd heard of it. Uh, I didn't even explore other options at the time. I kind of reached out because there were Facebook groups for other nail polish makers. Mm. And I was like, so what, you know, emails, marketing software do you guys use and you know mailchimp kept on popping up and social proof is huge right you know people are way more likely to purchase something because someone they know has recommended it than they are just because they see like an advertisement so it was purely just that social you know thumbs up from other small business owners and i was like okay i guess mailchimp mailchimp it is here we go Okay. So are you evaluating then each of these different e-commerce platforms? You know, you just mentioned a bunch of different things like coding, ease of use, um, you know, mm -hmm. all of these different processes. Are you evaluate? Did you have like a, a sheet that you were sort of evaluating them all from, or just kind of keeping them straight in your head? How did, how did that process look? Uh, well, I, first of all, read a bunch of reviews online, you know, right. like each of the best. Um, I leaned into social proof again. Uh, and I kind of did narrow it down to Shopify and big cartel, which is why those are two that popped to the top of my mind. And I trialed both of them. Okay. Um, and that's ultimately what made my decision. You know, I trialed them and Shopify was the one that just, you know, I was like, this is it. This is the one that solves my needs. Um, I'll be able to do more with less time because I also not just then, you know, not just now, but also then I had a nine to five career. I still have a nine to five career that time that I can dedicate the scoff law is only so much. So, you know, and Shopify made it really easy. At one point, yeah, all in one did make sense. Um, but the thing is, as I learned, you know, to my detriment there for, you know, a few couple of years is customers expectations really are changing mm. even now more than ever, you know, with the way, you know, with, with, COVID-19 and, you know, how online shopping has, has become where it's not enough to just, you know, have your little store, you know, have your little mailing list and they all kind of live independently of each other. No, customers expect you to meet them where they are online mm -hmm. and they 
expect you to understand things about them. They want to, you to be able to be just as savvy as they are digitally, which can be really hard. But the all-in-one doesn't let you do that. Right. You know, that's why being able to use like the tool that's like best at what it does mm. is, you know, so important. And especially like as I move forward and I continue to pivot my business, you know, I won't be looking at like, okay, what what is gonna kind of just kind of maybe sort of handle all these things. It's going to be understanding, you know, this is where my customers live online. This is how they shop now. This is what they care about now. Here are the best tools to reach them, to engage with them, to meet their needs. And then it's like, how do I connect them together so that when I'm doing my email marketing, I have that information from these other integrations, these, you know, the channels that they're on that I can then email them and it's not just this all-in-one email blast or even just basic segmentation. It's like, no, this customer prefers this kind of content and they want to get it generally apparently at 8 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And I know because of what they've done over here that this is the favorite kind of product of mine that they're interested in. So I'm going to make sure that that's highlighted in the email that they get. And that's just like one use case, but that's huge. You know, right. that that's what's going to, re that's what resonates with customers today mm -hmm. is are, are you bringing them the things that they care about and or are you making them do all the legwork, you know, to, to even try to find the information they want from you. Because yeah, if right. they have to, there's going to be like a countless other businesses out there that will make it easier for them. Right. So you almost, you don't want to sacrifice their experience for your convenience, basically. That is a great way to put it. Oh, thank you. That wasn't, <laughs> thank that wasn't bad. Without a doubt. And, you know, something I didn't realize too in my early days was you know, customer experience doesn't end the moment you make a sale. Mm. You, know, like you make the sale, boom, you're done, on to the next. Because what's really going to grow your business, what's really going to give you the staying power are not just repeat customers, but loyal customers. When, when you create like those loyal customers, when you create that like amazing experience for customers, you know, from the first time they come across you, you know, through the sale, past that, where you're thanking them, you're providing them more, you know, engaging, relevant content, you know, you're, you're keeping them in the loop, you're making them feel, you know, that they are truly part of, you know, your brand, your business. Right. Um, that pays amazing dividends because then they're doing a lot of work for you. They're telling their friends about you. They're bringing more customers into, you know, your sphere and, you know, that that's invaluable, you know, that, that loyalty where you ultimately want to get to the, the customer advocates, you cannot do that unless you have that amazing customer experience provided from start to finish. And when you do, 
it it just makes everything run so much smoother and your customers are just so much happier and you get a lot less emails asking you well why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that can right. you do this can you do that because you're already understanding their needs you're already connected could you tell me about an automation that you're currently using in Active Campaign? And, and you don't have to give away your secret sauce for sure, but um, I would love to hear about a, an automation that you're using um, to solve for a use case, sort of like something that you, you maybe just outlined. Um, what, what, uh, what's really working for you? Well, one of the automations that has been huge for me um, since I've moved over to Active Campaign is the abandoned carts mm. automation. And, you know, going back to the blog, I, for a long time, never had an abandoned cart automation. And um, for those who don't know, an abandoned cart automation, it basically sends a reminder to someone that leaves something in their shopping cart. You know, they, they click, they put the shopping carts, the dog needs to go out, they forget about your product and you never hear from them again. Um, and I remember reading in the blog, like, abandoned, you know, automated abandoned shopping carts emails, it can like recover like up to 10% of your revenue, you know, 10% of those abandoned carts can be recovered. Mm. And I'm like, get out of here. Come on. Uh, I'll give it a try. And actually, you know, everybody's experience is completely different. So don't use mine as like, you know, the, the water line, but I actually recover over 10% of my abandoned carts. So yes, love that abandoned cart automation. And that's through the, the Shopify integration, right? They leave something in the Shopify store and that triggers the mm -hmm. email to go out from active campaign. Yep. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, along the same lines, what is next for you in terms of automation? Do you have something that you're, you're sort of trying to solve for? Is there an automation that you would like to incorporate that maybe you just haven't gotten around to yet? Or, or what sort of, uh, what's on the wish list? Yeah, well, you know, as I become, um, you know, a more sophisticated user of automations and, you know, Active Campaign does make it really easy because we have this amazing marketplace that's full of recipes so I can automate things I didn't really even think of. Um, you know, I've kind of moved beyond, you know, those first initial automations, certainly. And uh, one thing to bring up really quickly is uh, all these automations I've put into place, whether it's abandoned carts or follow-up emails or drip campaigns, I spend a lot less time on my marketing now, yet since starting Active Campaign, these have been my six most uh, successful years running Scofflaw, like my highest revenue. Well, so, congratulations yeah. on that. That's, <laughs> Thank you. Like you said, sell more with less. That's, uh, exactly. that's, that's the dream right there. So, you know, now I do have a bit more time to focus instead of just doing the basics. Um, now that I have a little bit more time back that I can like dig in deeper, um, the sort of automations that I'm looking for and wanting to, you know, be able to do more with are being able to more easily segment off of like Shopify data. Mm. Like I want to be able to look at, um, you know, purchase states or purchase amount, you know, 
going back to like how engaged are they are these like some of my are these customers that used to be really engaged and suddenly there's a drop off where they never really engaged or are these like my top customers my most loyal and being able to like you know create even more personalized you know hyper segmentation we'll say where it's not just a segment it's a one-to-one segmentation personal experience so i want to just be able to kind of dive in deeper and make that experience even more tailored based on how they're acting in my shopify store if you had to give a piece of advice to uh, a new business owner or an existing business owner that's evaluating, you know, a piece of marketing software, um, what is the one thing that you would tell them to keep in mind? Before you choose your software, mm-hmm. you have to take the time to understand your customers. You have to know where they are, how they prefer to get their information, and what they care about because that's going to give you the the knowledge that you need when selecting a platform you know you'll know like i need to be able to do x y and z i am going to need to use you know this application this integration you know this is the tech stack that i want to create Mm -hmm. and that way when you're like looking at these different you know platform providers you can really quickly be like, okay, yes, they can do this one thing for me, but there's five things that I really need that they're not going to do all that great. Right. Um, Ultimately, it's, you're not looking for the ultimate holy grail solution that's going to solve everything for you, because that does not exist. It doesn't exist much elsewhere in life. Right. It doesn't exist in your software either. So you're going to want something that's going to let you use the tools that you already value. Yep. And you're going, like I said, you're going to know the tools that are going to be the most valuable to you by knowing which tools let you connect best with your customers and connecting best with your customers means taking the time to understand them. Well, that I can't think of a better way to, to end this thing than that. So Finch, been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Good to see you as, uh, as always, even though we don't get to see each other in the office anymore. Hopefully that will change soon. But again, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. This, is, uh, this has been great. Well, thank you again. And I'll talk to you later. Okay, we learned a lot here. We learned there are a massive number of marketing software tools available. We learned why there isn't a silver bullet, some end-all, be-all, in one software tool for any business. We've seen how important it is to start with your goals, your process, and most importantly, your customers before you start signing contracts. We've seen how valuable it is to measure your marketing, how helpful it is to have hands-on training or access to experts, and we've learned when it's time to address your problems with a software tool. Okay, that just about does it uh, for the content and segments that we have prepared for you for episode one. Before we wrap things up, just wanted to introduce you to someone, uh, or something, rather. 
so throughout the course of the show, we're going to be talking about how to grow your business by understanding and improving the customer experience. While our knowledge grows, while your business grows, uh, we're going to grow a plant. This plant right here. It's a, it's a good little plant. What's that? Yes. Yes, you are very small. But under the right conditions and circumstances, you could grow big. Maybe like that plant. What's that? You're looking forward to growing? We're looking forward to growing you as well, Mr. Plant. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.